people, Lord, the hours at night interceding, God, over the destiny and callings, God. I pray right now an exceeding abundantly uh, above year, God, right now. Every promise in Christ, yes and amen. Every breakthrough, favor at YSU like never before. Favor, God, in this region. Favor in housing. Favor uh, even in finances, God. Favor like never before, God. Increase it. Great grace over her life. Those who are faithful with little will be faithful with much. You have passed this season with flying colors, says the Lord. And I release to you the much. Thank you. Yeah. I'm going to help you back over here. Yeah. Just increase it. Wow. Oh, man, what a morning, bro. I am smoked, just sloshed. Huh? He's worthy. He's wonderful. Yep. So I got a message in here somewhere. I don't think. Oh, one announcement. So two announcements. Um, obviously, we'll be on the retreat this week, so we won't have Tuesday night and Wednesday night this week here because we'll most of us will be on the retreat. So, just so you know that. And then we're gonna throw a curveball um, on you on Brian's school. Um, that's coming up. The school of his voice. We usually host that. Um, quarterly, uh, as Brian does them on Monday nights, and he does them live. We're going to kind of throw a curveball at you and actually have them on and play the replay and do it on Tuesday night at 7 before intercessory prayer to kind of reduce a, um, you know, reduce another extra night here and stuff. We'll just see how that works out with everything we got going on and schedules and stuff. So it'll be Tuesday night, r- on 7 on the dot, we're hitting play. So really like 6.50, you want to be here. And then we're going to hit play, um, and that way we can jump through. We'll take communion together, and then right out of communion, we'll roll into intercessory prayer at 8. So um, huh? that starts July, the first week of July. So the first Tuesday in July. And it runs through July. The 7th? Is it the 7th? Ha, I like that's my brother's birthday. 7-7. Seven, seven. Do you know that? I'm He's 7-7. Seven, seven, I'm 3-3. Three, three. Isn't that interesting? So, huh? The first Tuesday? Oh, well, the Wednesday will be 7-7. Seven, seven. That'll be fun. All right. So, that's pretty much it. You can stay right where you're at, John. Don't worry about it. Nobody. Worry about it. Um... I'm going to pray. You ready? Father God, let's pray together. Father God, thank you for your word. Your word is a light unto our path. It's a lamp unto our feet. It changes our lives, helps us abide, (laughs) and keeps us alive. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for your word. Let the spirit bring alive the letter. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Today's message is titled, The Law of Love. The Law of Love. We're going to be in Romans chapter 13, um, starting in verse 8. Romans chapter 13, starting in verse 8. Owe no one anything, anything. You owe no one anything. So I want to start right there. This starts your mind off. You owe, Kurt, you owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. What law is he talking about? He's talking about the law in the commandments of the Lord, right? Your law, Jen talked about it earlier, your law, I meditate on it day and night. Your precepts, your requirements, what God says is right and what God says is not right. The law, the legal, the legal law of, of God, right? You've got the Ten Commandments. Then you've got all of Numbers. Get into Leviticus. I mean, it's just one law after another, after another, after another. But the Bible says that he who loves has fulfilled the law. Jesus said, I've come not to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. How? Because Jesus is God and God is love. And love fulfills the law. The law does not fulfill love. You cannot fulfill love by the letter alone, the law alone. You mu- but you can fulfill the letter, the law, by love. Love in and of itself, not love defined as man loves, which if you were with us prior, we defined the four different types of love, agape, phileo, I can't remember the other one, and eros. Uh, basically agape is God's love, which this is talking about. This is the love. You owe it to no one, listen, no one, except to agape them, that type of love, which we're going to define in a moment. You don't owe phileo, you don't owe, you certainly don't owe ergos, sex, which is ergos, right? To any, you don't owe that to them. You don't owe it to them. What you owe them is agape love which we're going to define in a moment. But let's read on. For the commandments, look at this. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, means this covers them all, every dot, every line, every precept, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. What does that mean? Love my neighbor as myself. Well, why, how does that keep me obeying the law? How does that help me fulfill the law? Well, I have something in my possession that I like, and I don't want to lose it. Tim has something in his possession uh, that he likes, and he doesn't want to lose it, but I like it, so I go and steal it. Well, I wouldn't like it if Tim came and stole it from me. So what do I do? I put myself in Tim's shoes, and I don't steal because of love. It has nothing to do with can I steal or can't I steal. It has to do with I put 
the value of Tim and how he feels over what I feel and I think and I want. No greater love than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. It means putting aside loving myself so that I can love him. It's actually loving him as me. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? I mean, we can go, do not covet. What does covet mean? Covet means to eagerly desire something that is not permissible for you to have. That's covet. So that means like if, you know, a business guy rolls up in a Lamborghini and I like eagerly desire to have his Lamborghini and I will basically, but to covet means I'll eagerly desire it and do anything to get it. Meaning I'll be lawless in my actions in order to possess that thing that I want. It actually means it's, it's, to, it's to have a ha- posture of a heart that will violate the law to get something. Does that make sense? It means I'll literally obtain it even if it costs me uh, or even if I have to walk in a manner that is not in the character of Christ. It means I'll get it on my, in my own strength, in my own power. I won't be still and wait upon the Lord's path, but I'll take things in my own hands and I'll try to do it outside of love, which we're going to talk to in a minute. But if you love, you don't have to worry about coveting. If you love, you don't have to worry about adultery. If you love, you don't have to worry about bearing false witness. Why? Would I want someone lying on me, saying all kinds of false things about me, slandering me? Would I want that? No. So in turn, then I love you by not slandering and bearing false witness on you. That would be love. Why? I'm loving you as myself because I wouldn't want that to happen to me, so I never would do it to you. This fulfills the law. This fulfills it. There is no fulfillment of the law outside of love. Let's turn to, uh, we're going to come back there, I'm sure. But jump over real quick to Mark chapter 3. Uh, Verses 1 through 6. Listen to this. I'm going to give you an example. Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And he entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely. Listen to this. Whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. Let Let me bring this into 2021. Let me step back and eagerly, attentively examine your life to wait for you to violate one of God's commands so I have something to accuse you with. Let me come under and take your life under a microscope and find whatever you did wrong according to God's word and then let me use God's word as a spanking stick to tell you no, 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 no. That's what the Pharisees are doing. They're literally sitting back, watching. And how many of you know they are under a religious spirit? This is the letter alone kills. I'm going to show you the spirit behind the letter alone. The spirit, talking about Holy Spirit, brings life. But you better better believe there's a spirit behind letter alone, and it ain't the holy one. I'm going to show it to you right here. But that's what they're doing. They're literally examining his life, everything. Let me catch him off one time so I can accuse him. Boom. It's condemnation. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. 
Then he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, how many of you know the Lord can be angry? Nobody wants to hear that. The Bible is very clear. Do not arouse the anger of the Lord. You want to know how to arouse the anger of the Lord? Go messing with his kids. You want to know how to arouse the anger of the Lord? Violate love. That's what they're doing right here. The Pharisees are violating love. They're taking the letter alone and they're superseding it above the heart in love. They're superseding the law above the welfare of another. Listen. He looked around angry at them. Why? Being grieved by the hardness of their hearts. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. I love he did it in spite them. The Lord, don't think the Lord won't do things despite. When things are twisted up, wicked, evil, the Lord loves to show up and show off and let you know really what he's backing and what he's on. He, it's all throughout Scripture. He does it all the time. He's not beyond that. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Listen to this. Then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him, him how, what, how they might destroy them. The Holy Ghost never, san never sanctions the destruction of another, ever. He does not do that, okay? That's not the way he works. He doesn't work it that way, in other words. Listen, it says this. Then the Pharisees went out immediately, plotted with the Herodians, and listen, how they might destroy him. Letter alone does what? Kills. Let me tell you, the Pharisees had the letter alone. How do we know the Pharisees had the letter alone? To be a Pharisee, you had to study the word. You literally had to memorize the law and the prophets. Jewish education growing up as a child was memorizing the first five books, the Torah. And then if you were really good, you got tested on it. You were really good. You were tested by the rabbis. You could then graduate and then begin to learn the rest of it, the, 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 um, what they call the poetry books, you know, Psalms and Proverbs and then Song of Solomon. And then you would go on in the prophets and you would memorize this. That's literally what they had. They had the letter alone. So I do have an issue, and I'm going to address it. I have an issue with, and, and, and again, not pointing fingers, just I just want us to think differently, with there's a saying out there that so you want to hear, and I've heard it said, and again, I'm not against, the God, I'm not trying to point fingers, anything, just, but I've heard it said, if you want to hear God speak, read the Bible. If you want to hear God speak audibly, read the Bible out loud. I have a problem with that. Why? Because if just having the written word was enough, the Pharisees would have been fine. No, I'm sorry. You need the words of God from the very mouth of God. We need the word of God from the mouth of God in the heart of God. Not just the letter alone. You cannot take this Bible and by the Bible alone be fine. Never will it work. I'm sorry. It is certainly Jesus 
on paper. But how many of you know the Pharisees certainly misrepresented Jesus to a bunch of people? They, they, they took what he did and they like, look, they took the love and compassion and mercy of Jesus, healing a man on the Sabbath and say, look, he's lawless. Instead of realizing, look, he's love. Love has no problem violating that thing for the benefit of, of the whole or benefit of the others. It has no problem whatsoever. Am I teaching us to disobey the commands of the Lord? No, I'm teaching us how to fulfill it. We cannot operate in the commands of God, void the nature of God. It's what the Pharisees did. They would use the, literally, they would use the law. They would look around and try to find uh, some kind of uh, application of it to literally give them permission not to love. This is what they would do. They would say, well, so-and-so did whatever, so now, you know what, I can just be angry. Stone them to death. Crucify him. This is the pharisaical spirit. This is the religious spirit. This is the letter alone killeth, but the spirit bringeth life, and life more abundantly. Let's jump back to Romans 13. Listen. I'm going to read it again. Owe no one anything except to love them, agape love. Again, we don't owe anyone anything except agape love, not a single person. Every relational dynamic across the board. You owe no one anything except agape. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, all are summed up in this same saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does not, does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. The law is not the fulfillment of love, love is the fulfillment of of the law and do this listen knowing the time like hey be sober-minded be aware that now it is high time to awake out of sleep for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. that tells you you can be saved but sleep i said that tells me you can be saved but sleep wake up the night is far spent the day is at hand, therefore let us cast off the works of darkness, let us put on the armor of light, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and in drunkenness, we can call, you know, any drunkenness, that comes under any intoxication, smoking weed, any, all of it's included in that, revelry is parties, you know, partying around, all that, uh, not in lewdness and lust. Not in strife. Do you know what strife is? Strife is always wanting to fight. That's strife. It's always like, I'm just, I'm not, I'm going to be immovable. I want to fight. I'm not talking about boxing. Jackson here. It's not, not, we're not talking about boxing. That's a sport. It's talking about being argumentative. Like I've always just got to be at strife. Contentious. Uh, 
or in envy. What is envy? That means desiring something that another has. Envious. Listen to this. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to look at that in just a moment. What, what is the Lord Jesus Christ? And make no provision. What is a provision? A plan, a foresight, a forethought, a premeditated a plan for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. That's like, well, I'm going to go on Tinder, and I'm going to look up a date, and then I'm going to hook up. That would be a provision for the flesh. That would be a foresight plan to go sin, right? Well, you know what I'm going to do on Saturday? On Saturday, after I get paid, I'm going to go to the liquor store, I'm going to buy that bottle, and I'm going to just go ahead and get drunk. That would be making a provision Making a re- I'm going to plan to let. We all fall short of the glory of God, and the mercy of God is there for when we fall short. He's saying right here, don't do it premeditated. Do you understand? Don't plan it out. You know, I'm going to go sin. You know, I know when I go to bed tonight, I'm going to research pornography. I'm going to put it on, and I'm going to, you know, have at it. Premeditated. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's saying make no provision. Matter of fact, the Bible says if it calls you sin, cut it off. So if I got to throw my computer away, many of you know my testimony with playing video games. It, it just, I would get addicted, and hours would slip by. Is it inherently evil? I'm not so sure, you know. But it would cause and awaken lust within my flesh. I would get easily agitated. I would start to lack love. I would get impatient. I would get, you know, just irritable which, we're, again, we're going to talk about in just a minute. And so it would be a provision for the flesh. So what I do? I got rid of it. I threw it out. I went and got me a DVD player because my justification was, well, it has a Blu-ray player, so I'll keep it around. But threw it away, went and got a Blu-ray player. But anyway, again, and even in that, guys, has nothing to do with, well, he just said, don't be drunk, don't have revelry, don't be lewd, don't do lust, make no provision of the flesh, don't, I- flesh, don't envy, like, well, that, those sound like commands. Yeah. Why do I obey them, though? Do I obey them just because he says not to? No, I obey them because I know how it makes him feel. That's why it says, if we love him, we'll obey his commandments. Meaning what? Out of my love relationship for Jesus, I will care about how he feels about things, and I won't violate that relationship. I'll be mindful I'll fear the Lord. I'll be mindful of how he feels about what I do. Let's jump to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to add a little here, but it's applicable. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. I want to add here, if I follow every dot and T of the, of the letter and have not love, I'm a clanging cymbal. Womp, 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 womp. Uh, people talk about it all the time. They don't practice what they preach. You can be as sound in the word as you want to and lack love, and you are just as much as a hypocrite as the guy who, who you say, well, they're really kind, but they're out there sleeping around all the time. And I would tell you, according to Jesus, what does he put the higher standard on? Keeping every dot and T of the law or the way you treat people? 
Because I see a king that's not worried about the Sabbath. He says, matter of fact, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath and love trumps the Sabbath. <laughs> Let me heal him. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. Nothing means my heavenly value is not weighed in the things in which I can do or keep, but the way I be and the way I treat. Listen to this. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient or suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. God, man, listen, this God is more worried about whether you're rude or not, whether you keep every commandment. Did you hear that? God is more concerned on whether you're ignorant and rude to folks than he is you keep the Sabbath. This is what he's saying. Again, am I teaching you to violate even the least of the commands? No, I'm teaching you actually how to fulfill them. It is impossible for you to fulfill the commandments without God, without the Spirit. And I'm telling you, it's telling you what God is. God is love, and it's telling you what love is right here. And it's the only way to fulfill the law is love. Love does not seek its own. It is not provoked. Thinks no evil, does not rejoice in sin, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Love. We will fail time and time again. But these things right here, this is where success is. Failure is anything outside of this. What it says it is and what it says it isn't. To abide in Christ is to abide in, well, sorry, to abide in love is to abide in Christ. And if I abide in Christ, I'll bear much fruit. You can do nothing apart from abiding in me. You can read your Bible till you're blue in the face. You can pray in tongues for 10 hours a day. You can come in here and worship all you want thinking you're fine. But when you go out there and treat people like trash, you are not abiding in Christ. And I'm going to tell you, I've seen it in the church. I've done it myself, been victim, not pointing fingers, been a victim to it, and been the culprit. Guilty. God have mercy. Thank you for your love. But what we do, and I've done it too, man, is I'm like, well, my sin isn't as bad as their sin. And so when they sin, now I can bring, I can, I can sin in order to get them to live right. Do you understand what I'm saying? You violate, uh, somebody violates scripture, commits adultery, somebody, you, you know, lies to you or whatever. Well, they lied to me. They did, uh, and then all of a sudden you lose patience. 
you lose kindness, you start to be rude. Now whose sin is greater? I've heard Todd White say it, don't let the sin in others create sin in you. You know, this again goes back to dying to myself. This is loving you as I would love myself. If I make a mistake, I don't want you to berate me and beat me up. Is that love? And I'm saying, I've been guilty too. Is that love? No. Love would say, I could still tell you, listen, that doesn't mean also that I give you permission to just do whatever you want, treat me like garbage. That doesn't say that either. That doesn't say I just turned a blind eye either. No, no, no. No, actually, it's the opposite because love rejoices in truth. It just means I'm not rude about it. I'm not mean about it. I'm not lashing out about it. I'm just coming to you saying, hey, I understand. I I understand. But the truth is, here's the truth, A, B, and C. I'm honest with myself, I'm honest with you, and and what you did was wrong. And there's nothing, I'm not talking about every time somebody does something wrong, you can't say, hey, that was wrong. We're talking about how you go about it. You think shaming and guilting someone is going to get them to do anything? You don't have to. You're not the convictor. The Holy Spirit is. All we must do is, is speak truth in what? Love. What is love? Love is patient, kind. It's not rude. I'm, I'm actually required to be honest with you. The Bible says this, put out the leavened bread of malice, which is being spiteful, resentful, angry, all that, and iniquity, all sin, right? And yet have the unleavened bread of sincerity, which is, means a it's, uh, sincerity and truth. That sincerity is this. When uh, the, back in the day, it comes from a Greek word, and back in the day when the, the merchants would have pots that they would sell, often they would like fall off the cart and they would break and like a piece would break off. And what the merchants would do is they would put it back together and then they would put like a film of clay over it and they would like smooth it over and they would like paint it all up and make it look like it was a solid, strong pot. But we all know if that pot has been broken and you, you're never going to get a pot back to the same strength that it was when it was first made. You're just not. And the only way to find out if that pot was as strong as they said it was was to hold it up in the light of the sun and allow it to be examined. That's what we're called to live in, to allow our lives to be examined in the light of the sun, S-O-N, not S-U-N, in his light. And then it says, and truth. You know what truth is? Truth is, truth means I'm a straight shooter. I'm straightforward with you. I don't have, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's exactly what God said about Nathaniel. Here stands a true Israelite, a man in whom there is no guile. It means you, you tell on yourself, you can't help it. You're just, you're, there just isn't deceit in you. You can't do it. I just can't be trusted. It I doesn't matter what it costs me. I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to lie about it. And matter of fact, I don't even care if you like it or not. I'm going to tell you the truth. But again, even being like that, you don't have to be rude. You don't have to be harsh. You can be kind in truth. You can have love or truth in love. 
This is what God's called us to, to do. This is what sets us apart from the whole rest of the world. I love what Jen was talking about today when she was exhorting us saying, hey, if you're standing in a whole crowd of unbelievers and your mannerisms are just like them, you're not set apart. Well, guess what? The whole world lacks love. And the Bible says by this he'll know that we'll, they'll know that we're his disciples by the love that we have with one another. What in the world is it talking about? Just because I tell you I love you or say that I love you means zilch. It's am I patient with you? Am I kind with you? Do I envy about you? Do, do, do I, am, I, am I arrogant? Am I puffed up? Do I worry about myself? Do I endure? Do I believe the best? Do I hold a record of wrong? Or do I freely forgive and wash away? Which is it? That's love. That's what sets us apart. It's, it's if, 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 John, if John John's rubbing me the wrong way, and somebody in the world, which you don't, I love you, but if he's rubbing me the wrong way, if he's rubbing me the, long way, the wrong way, and, and, and the world sees him rubbing me the wrong way, and I start getting, the Bible said, another, uh, another translation says this, love is not easily irritated. Is not easily irritated. So when, when they see him doing something that sh- would irritate them, but I don't get irritated, they go, whoa, he has love for him. Do you understand? When my kids are going nuts in, in, in restaurants, like my daughter was when we went out for Jen, uh, Jen's thing, she was just, I don't know if she ate sugar or what, what was going on, but she was like, <laughs> and she was just like, uh, and I was like, okay, okay, okay. I had an opportunity there. The rest of the restaurant is watching. I could do one of two things. I can get impatient with her and start lashing out at her in anger. Girl, you're going to do what I said to her. Right here in front of everybody, do whatever you want, you know, and, and, and people will then see, oh, well, look, he really is a horrible dad. What's he doing? You know, she's just a little girl. She's, she's four. She has energy like you wouldn't believe, you know. And then the other option is I just let her go, and then they're just, this. he doesn't care because that's not truth either, to just let her do whatever she wants. What? Spare the rod, spoil the child. So it's not truth just to let her do whatever. So you know what? A couple times, uh, hey, you need to calm down. Hey, you need to calm down. Hey, you need to calm down. When she didn't, guess what? Okay, let's go. Pick her up. Take her in the bathroom. Pop that little booty. Come back. Set her down and hold her, and I love you, and you're okay, and we're okay. Let's get over the heartbreak. I know it hurt. I I know. I'm sorry. I don't want to do that, but you have to listen. And then you know what? She was fine the rest of the night. But you know what? If there had been an unbeliever there, observing it that grew up in a household where dad was wicked and evil and angry all the time and, and, and ripping their head off all the time and short with them or they grew up in a household where dad really didn't care and just got high all the time and let them do whatever they want, they would see a difference of love. Do you understand? Because love looks like something. What does it look like? Um, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. Love does not lose control. Do you know that? The Bible says that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Love and self-control. That means when I was born again, I got the nature to do this right here, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That's literally who I am. I don't care what you say about me. I don't care what the world says. The Bible says I'm this. And any time I act outside of this, I'm acting outside of my own nature. That's why things don't work out for me. 
I want to I want to call us back to uh, this this letter alone thing. Let us not try to apo- apply the letter void the spirit. Trying to apply the letter void the spirit is applying the letter void love, because God gave us a spirit of love. Tr- trying to apply the letter without a without self-control is letter alone. Why? Letter alone kills. The spirit brings life. The spirit is self-control. How, how many people have you known? Listen, bro, in, 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 uh, not pointing finger, love, but like how many religious zealots are just killing folks all over the world because they have letter? Listen, I could let, you know, I'm going to just go there, sorry. I could let Amy come up here and tell you about stuff she's seen about letter alone where people take letter alone and literally destroy other people's lives just because of the letter. Void complete love and all to their own children. Just completely destroy their lives because, well, the letter says. We're not talking about giving permission to sin. We're talking about your heart and your manner and the way in which we treat people. Let's say this, that God cares more about who I am and how I treat others than what I do. It's the truth, man. He's after your heart. How do we know that? Because he came and gave you a new one. See, I'll take your heart of stone and I'll make it a heart of flesh. Then he says this, on that heart of flesh, he said, this is the new covenant. I'll write my laws on your heart. Men, there's no greater symbol for love than the heart. They're literally tied right together. We are no longer under the law of the commands. We are under the law of love. In the law of grace, the Bible says. Meaning what? There's a divine ability to fulfill those laws. How? Through love. Man. So let's go back to that scripture in Romans when it says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. How do I put on the Lord Jesus Christ? I love. Because God, is Jesus God? Is Jesus God? And God is? What does the Bible say? God is love. So if I'm to put on Jesus, I'm to put on so I can tell you right out, right out of the gate, the flesh wants to be impatient. So the answer in the moment when I'm feeling impatient is, whoop, I'm not loving. In the moment I realize that, the moment I realize that and I look to the person who is love, I begin to then abide in love. And when I begin to abide in love, I'll bear the fruit of love. Do you understand? And, it, and fruit is measurable. I'm going to tell you right now. I do think winning souls is important. Obviously, we went out on outreach. We talked to like 40-something people. It was amazing on Saturday. We'll be doing that twice a month. We'll be going out. We saw several souls come to Jesus. You know, we're going to continue that. But I want to tell you something. Uh, There will be treasures in heaven for those works. I do believe that when they're done in love. But the Bible is very clear. They will come to me that day, and they will say, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out devils, heal the sick, do many mighty prophesy, do many mighty exploits in your name? He'll say, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. You can only be lawless in the new covenant if you're loveless.
You can only be lawless in the new covenant if you're loveless. Because love fulfills the law. That means that they did, listen, they did the letter alone without the Spirit. They went, but I obeyed. I preached enough sermons. I cast out enough devils. I obeyed your precepts. Yeah, but you were a jerk. You were rude. You didn't learn to love. And you really don't know me because if you knew me, you would know that I value love over precepts. Does that void precepts? Again, no. It's the only way to fulfill them. Love fulfills the law. Hey, do you know what that means? That means you're never justified to be outside of love. That means even when other people clearly violate law, their violation of law does not give you permission to violate love. Ever. The violation of a law of another is not, is not free reign for you to violate love. And this all comes back to the, that power of the Spirit to die to ourselves, to die to that flesh nature. And, and, you know, often dying to ourselves includes dying to our right to retribution and restitution. The Bible is very clear. It says this, leave place for the wrath of God. Do you know what that means? Leave place to the wrath of God. Do you know what that means? That means don't ever take it into your own hands. Well, they did this, so I'm going to make them pay. I'm going to punish them because they did this. Again, I'm not talking about, you know, if I had someone who was constantly stealing from me, I'm not going to let them, and they had a key to my house, I'm going to take that key. That's not what we're talking about. What, what we're talking about is I'm not going to take that thief and cut his hand off. That's what I'm not going to do. I'm going to leave place for God. It's what David did in the life of Saul. He just let it happen. And he chose love. He chose love. He could have killed Saul how many times? But he chose love. Let's pray. God, I just thank you that we are no longer under the letter alone, but we're under the spirit, the law of love. We thank you that you've made this thing super simple to love you and love others as ourselves. God, and we thank you that you have not called us to do that in our own might and in our own strength. So right now, God, we repent. We change the way we think. We turn around from the actions that we have been taking, those times we've been impatient, those times that we've been angry, those times that we've lashed out and tried to bring vindication. But I was right in my anger. But I was justified because they violated your law. They did things that weren't right. So I'm justified in, in, in acting outside of love. We turn from that right now, God. And we say we repent. We ask for mercy. We ask for the blood of Jesus to cover us. And we ask for the Spirit to fill us afresh with the person that is love. 
if Christ is in you, love is in you. If Emmanuel, God with us, love is with us. God, let love rule in our beings, God. May it be known about the encounter that we have patience with each other, that we are kind to one another, that we prefer one another, that we do not envy one another, that we do not boast over one another. We're not puffed up, Lord, that we do not keep records of wrongs. But when we see people repent in turn, just as Jesus does, those records are washed away. We thank you, Lord. Help us to be kind because you're kind. Help us to be gentle because you're gentle. Help us to know that being in self-control is being in love. I thank you, Jesus, right now. I pray your word would go deep into us that's able to save our souls. Help us to keep love as the highest priority. Well, I followed all the commands, but did you love? We thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for joining us on Encounter Podcast. We pray it has been a blessing to you. We would be honored if you would prayerfully consider supporting this ministry by becoming a monthly partner or sowing a one-time offering helping us bring the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ our Lord to the lost and the continued training and equipping of his bride, the church. For more information on how to become a partner or make a donation, please go to Encounter1078.com and click on the donate button. Thank you, and may the mercy and grace of the Lord Jesus be upon you.